0: Good morning, everyone, and uh, happy Labor Day weekend. It's beginning to look like fall, (laughs) but I think we're going to get some more good weather this week, but good to have you with us this morning. Uh, My name is Larry. If we've not met, Pastor Dan will be returning to... our speaker again next week, beginning a new series. But uh, he's given me the privilege and the responsibility of today of wrapping up this wonderful and rich series that we've had called The Promised Land. And as we do that, we're going to be looking at the end of the book of Joshua today in chapters 23 and 24. But as I said, uh, my name is Larry, and I, I serve here on the council. I serve on the network council. I uh, do some leadership training here, and serve on the care and connection team, and support Dan in just any way I can. So uh, we we love this church, and we love Jesus, and we're we're glad to be here, and I'm glad to be here this morning to to bring this message. Uh, in in chapter 23 and 24, we have some interesting things going on. But we, we began the series, The Promised Land, with this thought. Dan gave us this thought. He said, what is your promised land? What do you dream about? And what does God want for you? And we began with this thought that the meaning of life is found in the journey and not in just getting to the destination. It had been a long, long journey for the Israelites 40 years in the wilderness in fact and as we come to chapter 23 and 24 we find that they've they've been in the land for a while now it doesn't exactly say how long but they've been there for a while and they've been conquering the territories and and getting settled into their new context but Joshua calls together all of the leaders of Israel and he he wants to challenge them because he's nearing the end of his life and so he he challenges them to recall the things that that God has done in the past and how he's brought them victory upon victory. And he'll continue to do that in the future. And he tells them, be strong, be careful to obey the Lord, and then he'll continue to to bless you. But as they recall the things that he's done in the past and how God has fought for them, he says at the same time, if you turn away from God, He'll take away the blessing and he'll take away the land. And so we get into chapter 24 where where he begins to recall some of the history of Israel these previous years. And and then we get to to verse 14. And he says, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped beyond the river and in Egypt... And serve the Lord. And then we get to this verse, which really is the core of of where we're at today. And it's on the screen, I believe. There it is. In fact, read it out loud with me. Here we go. Verse 15. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And the people respond enthusiastically, yes, yes. <laughs> we, will, we will. Well, that wasn't planned, but thank you. That was very good. <laughs> and they say, yes, we will obey God. We will follow God. And he challenges them right back in verse, nine, uh, verse 19. He says, you can't do it. You can't live this life that I'm calling you to. He's really putting them to the test, I believe. But they say, no, 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 we will obey God. And so we come to the close of the book and the chapter, and it says that Joshua died at the ripe old age of 110. If you've read his story, you know what an amazing story it is. What a a life, what a legacy. And he's he's going the way, but jur- the, the the Israelites had been on this journey for a long time, and and uh, it, it had been a, a very difficult journey for them. I've been on many journeys in my life, as I'm sure you have as well, and I have to admit that. I've often gotten lost on those journeys. Now I have this amazing modern miracle called the phone GPS, and I love it. I used to joke that when I traveled a great deal for a while that I I got to know more cities in America by getting lost, but that was pre-GPS. So if you get in a car with me, you're okay. We won't end up in Idaho. But I traveled, there was a a period of time in my, my life and my vocation when I was working for a Christian organization and I traveled uh, up to 200 days a year for seven years, traveling around America, traveling around Canada, meeting with pastors and leaders in churches, helping them organize to do outreaches to their communities. And uh, so I, as I traveled around, like I said, sometimes I would get lost. And I'll, I'll share a story or two sometime with you about that. But... Uh, uh, I, I'd rather share a story about my wife, because she's really good with directions normally. <clears throat> but she's had a moment or two. And we were in that period of life when I was traveling a lot, so that we, we uh, occasionally I would take Diane and the kids with me. And they were, they were small, they were preschool yet, so it wasn't difficult. We didn't have to pull them out of school. But we were, we'd make a little vacation of it. And there was one time we'd, we, uh, we were living in Minneapolis at the time, and, and I was working out of there. And we, we were in, it's either Indiana or Illinois, I believe. And we were coming back from, from this uh, series of meetings I'd had with, with church leaders. And so we, we would swing around the bottom of Lake Michigan and, and, and over and then up into Minneapolis. And we decided to drive through the night. We'd been gone a while and so it, we wanted to get home and to our own beds. And so we, we uh, decided to drive through the night. The kids were sleeping. And I started to get tired, and, and uh, I said to Diane, would you take over for a while and drive? And, and she said, sure. So we, we stopped and switched, and she began to drive, and I went to sleep. I woke up a little while later, I don't know how long it was, <clears throat> but we were, we were obviously, as I looked around, we were in a city, and I thought, oh good, we're, we're home, we're home. I said, where are we? She said, Milwaukee. <laughs> I said, Milwaukee? What, what are we doing in Milwaukee? She said, I, I missed a turn. I missed a sign. And uh, she said, that, that, that's not all. I said, well, that's not all? She said, I ran over a skunk. <laughs> we're in Milwaukee and you killed a skunk? Well, we got through that. Obviously, we're, we're okay and we're, we're here today. But, uh, you know, we all have those journeys and sometimes we get detoured. And this was the case for for Israel in their story in the wilderness. But life is a journey for all of us. And there are plenty of skunks on the road. (laughs) So how are you handling your journey? The Lord has a journey for each of us that brings meaning and fulfillment to our lives and purpose to our lives. And ultimately, our promised land, of course, is the kingdom of God, which we possess now in part, but will possess fully in heaven. But not only are we on individual journeys, but are we, we're also on a corporate journey as a church, as God leads us in the present into the future that he has for us. In this series, it's been so good that Dan has led us in, and Josh and, and Logan have, have assisted. They've reminded us so well of some things that we need to keep in mind on that journey. And so, as we come to the book of the end of Joshua and to this series and this amazing moment in Israel's history, the wandering is done. They've entered the land. They've begun to conquer it and begin to settle in. The land's been divided up by by Joshua and they're settling in. And I'm sure there must have been many people who thought, oh, thank God, now the, the journey is over. We can enjoy the fruit of God's promises. But Joshua knew differently. He knew there were still battles to be fought, lands that hadn't been fully claimed yet. It was a new chapter in their journey, but battles still had to be fought to take possession. And in fact, some of the tribes never took full possession of their allotments because they failed to trust God to, to do that. But a new chapter had begun, and Joshua gives them this prophetic word. Can you try to imagine being amongst the crowd that day as he spoke? about all that God had done and recalling that and how God had blessed them and would continue to bless them if they would just follow him into the future. And and they respond with this enthusiastic, yes, yes, we will follow God. We will obey God. Don't you think they meant it? I think they did. But they went astray eventually. And sometimes we can act the same way. We... We, we mean it, we, you know, God leads us somehow, and we, we, we respond to Him, and we mean it. Uh, but some way or another, at some point, there's a skunk in the road. And we're faced with the same daily decision that they were, which is to stay true to God and to the journey, or to let life's challenges, life's hardships, uh, unexpected trials pandemics, people who may act as enemies or in ungodly ways that can disappoint us or hurt us. Maybe it's financial hardships or health issues or relationships that have gone sour. Maybe it's unfulfilled dreams, whatever it might be. They can detour us and we wander away and we miss all that God has for us and we stay enslaved to the very kind of things that we thought we'd left behind. Well, there, this was a tragic cycle in Israel's life. There was this constant cycle of disobedience, which led to enslavement and captivity, which led to the need for deliverance. And again, around the to go again and again over time. It was a, it was a cycle in their, in their life historically spiritually. You know, most sources would say, listen to this, that the journey from from Egypt to the promised land should have taken 11 days. One source says that if they just walked one mile a day for nine months, they would have made it. But instead it took them 40 years. Think of it, 11 days but they chose to take an exit which led to a 40 year detour and once they got to the promised land they repeatedly did the same thing and their history was was one of exits and detours and suffering and returns. They gave in to the pull of sin in their lives and rather than give themselves fully and daily to a living God who had promised them the victories that they needed but they didn't believe it. And their individual and corporate sin became their downfall time and time again. And you know the same thing could happen to us. God has given us His Word. It's full of promises. He's given us the example of Jesus. He's given us the Holy Spirit who gives us the encouragement and the power to live out our journeys. And your journey is going to look different than my journey. We're all on the same path but our journeys are going to look different from one another's. So how are you doing with your journey? I want to conclude this series and, and the book of Joshua with a similar prophetic call to that of Joshua from chapters 23 and 24. And there's, there are four words that may help us to remember what I'm trying to communicate today. And those four words are these. commit submit and live it commit submit and live it let's talk about those first of all commit commit yourself to personally follow God no matter what others do no matter what others do faithfulness to God fulfills the covenant of God it's not God who's in question here in in the in the chapter it's the people what will they do And the question for us is, what will we do? What will you do? Especially if others around you are living or acting contrary to the plan of God. What will you do if it's a choice between what others say or what God says? What will you believe if others around you have adopted a way of thinking that contradicts the word of God? What will you believe? <clears throat> what will you fo- Who will you follow if others follow a path or a leader or a philosophy that's different than that of Jesus Christ? How will you respond if you have to choose between Christ or your friends? What would you say if you had to choose between denying Jesus or deny or dying for Jesus? And those are kind of heavy questions, aren't they? But I think they're pertinent to what we're talking about today. Because as you leave this place today, as you go back into your context and your journey, whatever that involves, you're not only entering a mission field, but you're entering a battlefield. You realize that? And the Israelites, excuse me, were into a new chapter. There were still battles to be fought. The tragedy, as I mentioned earlier, is that every one of those battles could have been won. Enslavement and and captivity and suffering could have been avoided if they'd just daily chosen to follow God from the heart and to obey God's ways. But here's a big problem. People are fickle, aren't they? People are fickle, and these people were too. They... They enthusiastically pledged their devotion, but later they turned away, and then they'd go through this cycle over and over again. And you know, it's easy for us to look at that and feel judgmental and and say, oh, that wouldn't wouldn't be me, that wouldn't be us. We'd never do that. But we're no different than them in many ways. And the only real difference is the daily choices we make or who we're gonna follow. Godly living begins with godly choices daily choices about who or what we're going to follow. Will it be our own desires? Will it be our friends? Will it be uh, what society says is right? Will it be what we see other Christians do? Will will it be our ambitions? Will it be dynamic church leaders? Or, Or will it, we say with Joshua, you choose who you follow or what you follow, but as for me and my house, we will follow God. Godly living comes through godly choices daily. And godly leadership of others begins with godly leadership of ourselves. Our own Josh, on staff here, who's getting married this weekend, he reminded us from Joshua 6 that the greatest battle the Israelites had to fight was the battle within themselves. And that being obedient to God's leadership is the greatest battle we all will fight. And it's true. But how can we lead others? How can we lead our families? How can we lead in the church or in the community if we can't lead ourselves? Others will see the hypocrisy and the, and the inconsistency. Every day we have to surrender to Him and commit to Him and obey what He says and determine to keep on that pathway that He has for each of us in our journey with Him fickle Christians, and I, I've known a few and you've known a few keep moving one step forward and three steps backward and it's, it's self-defeating, it's frustrating it, it puts walls up to the supernatural experience and the supernatural living that God has called us to and maybe you feel that describes you today, and maybe it's time for a change I have never felt a greater urgency about this than recently. I think that if this pandemic and everything that's related to it, which is affecting our society in so many ways and affecting relationships, affecting churches like our own, if it's taught us anything, it's revealing what's going on in our hearts my sense, and I can't prove this, but my my sense has been that over the last couple of years, it's caused many Christians to re-examine who or what they're going to follow as they move into the future. And it's revealing the urgency or lack of urgency about the things of the kingdom of God. And that's not meant to be judgmental. It's really not. It's just, it's an observation. But I think that within much of the church, I'm speaking to the church in general in America, there's a spiritual apathy that has set in, a spiritual laziness that has set in to much of the church. It's like many people have taken a spiritual vacation, and they've just kind of taken their foot off the gas spiritually. And that's not to accuse anybody, and that's not to say that there aren't concerns and decisions being made for reasons that are personal and important. But I think that all that's gone on the last couple of years should be a wake-up call to all of us to re-examine what we're doing and who or what we're going to follow as we move forward. Because I I don't think that hard times or big challenges are going to all of a sudden just disappear. And that's no surprise. Jesus said that in the last days troubles will increase, that times will be hard and that the people of God will be tested. And I'm feeling it, aren't you? I mean, I don't you just feel uh, often feel a sort of a heaviness of spirit about all that's going on? We all feel that way. And none of us knows the future. We don't know what's going to happen next week or next month or a year from now. We don't know. So what if it stays hard? What if things got a lot tougher in your life? What if, God forbid, we ever get to the point where it might cost you dearly, maybe even your life, to stay true to Jesus? Unthinkable? Look at what's going on around the world. Look at the what's happening in America and, and <clears throat> the increasing resistance to godly living. Look at the increasing disfavor toward the church. Well, you know, what would you do? What will you do? If you want to face an uncertain future in strength, you've got to commit yourself daily to Him and do your spiritual exercises. Read your Bible, pray, serve, get connected with others. And continually determine that no matter what, No matter what others do, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. These are tough times, and it, it could potentially get tougher. But you know, these are also opportune times for us as followers of Christ, and for the church, and the mission of Christ. Because we follow a great and mighty God. Amen? And God specializes in turning crises into opportunities. And he hasn't changed. His promises haven't changed. His life in the Holy Spirit hasn't changed. And his plans haven't changed. But friends, we must change. And which leads me to that second word I mentioned, and it's the word submit. Submit daily to God's surgery. Submit daily to God's surgery. You know, service from the heart requires surgery of the heart. To commit ourselves to God and His ways, like these people were doing at the moment at least, <clears throat> had to be, has to be experienced through daily surrender and, and daily submission to Him, so that He can live His life in us and, and through us. And so we can experience the daily reality of God with us and, and God in us by His Spirit. And when, uh, when Joshua spoke to them in chapter 24, verse 19, and he challenged and said, you can't do it. You cannot live this life. And they said, no, we will. We will follow God. He, he was right. They, they couldn't do it on their own. And you know what? We can't follow Jesus either without Jesus. Amen. We can't live godly lives unless His Spirit is producing in us uh, that, that sur- doing that surgery and producing in us what needs to happen through daily surrender. When, where people outside the church get into trouble is daily choosing to live life the way they want and ignoring a future that God says is certain and they make daily decisions now that will affect them for eternity. But where God's people inside the church get into trouble is to start out with good intentions but give in the personal motivations. Decisions and choices are made that ignore that initial commitment and become lifestyle choices that lead us away from the will of God and away from the blessings of God and away from the destiny that He has for us. Sure, life isn't easy. Following Jesus isn't easy. But choices have to be made over and over that honor that commitment that we make to God and which allow Him to do His daily surgery in our lives. That will produce godly living and spiritual health and the help and intervention of God in our lives and our trials and the favor of God on our lives and our destinies. But it's going to cost us. It's going to cost you. And what it costs you will be different than what it costs me. Because our journeys differ, though the path is the same. Jesus said, Take up your cross, whatever that is, and follow me. And he showed us that the path to life will involve suffering. Yet he also gave us the assurance that he'll be with us and he'll work within us to see us through. Amen? But it takes commitment and it takes submission to God and surgery by God on my heart to produce that and I want that and I believe you do too or you wouldn't be listening to this online today or here this morning you know my wife and I in one way or another we try to pray every day as we as we pray together we 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 try to pray Lord I surrender to you I submit to you live your life in me that act of surrender is a constant reminder of who's in charge, of who we follow, of how much we need his transforming work in our lives. And I think a good spiritual practice for all of us would be this week to pray that prayer, however you want to phrase it, but to pray a prayer like that and let it become habit-forming. Because when we stop looking at Jesus, and we stop looking to Jesus, we stop looking like Jesus. And we'll start looking more like others around us, and more to others for what only Christ can ultimately give. The Israelites, you know, they started out with good intentions, but they began to open the door to other options. They began to intermarry the peoples of the land, which they were told not to do. They began to uh, worship their idols, which they were told not to do. And they began to open the door to these other options and make disobedient choices, which hardened their hearts to make more and more disobedient choices. But not Joshua. Whatever time was left, he he was going to spend it living by faith with his eyes fixed on God, and God's ways would be his ways. He would comment, he would submit, and he would live it. And friends, it's the same choice for us. It's the same call for us. As we come to the close of this series into the book of Joshua, may I just remind us of that and challenge you as well as myself to, like Joshua, let the example of your life and your leadership be your legacy. Every one of us is on a journey, and our journeys are going to look different. We're on the same path, but a different journey. We're following the one who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we're staking our lives, and we're staking our eternities on that, aren't we? But we're not traveling it alone. We have families, we have friends, we have people in the church, we have others in the community, people who come in and out of our lives for different seasons of of life. We're not traveling it alone. And your life and mine are not only gonna be a personal matter, but your journey is going to impact others one way or another. So what will that impact be? Logan reminded us so well of that last week. I realize that many of us are well along in life and we've all made mistakes. We can't go back and correct. But while we can't change the past, we can determine to let the future be different. I now have grandchildren who not only remind me why you have to be young to raise children, (laughs) but I realize that my life and my words and my actions are going to impact theirs. When I read these last two chapters in Joshua, I'm reminded of that. I'm reminded as a follower of Christ and as a Christian leader of a couple of things that I want to use to to bring this toward a close this morning and then we're going to have a chance to respond to God. But but one of the things I I want to remind us of this morning as we bring this to a close is if you live in a way that pleases God, you will live in a way that displeases others. Just accept that. It's it's just reality. Do you know, God through Christ and the inner working of His Holy Spirit has done for you what nobody else could. He has shown you a love that is far exceeding any love that anybody else in this world has for you by what He's done. And why wouldn't you want to know Him and to please Him every day when He loves you that much? Don't live to please fickle people. Don't be people pleasers, but be a God pleaser. And if you, if you live to please God, it will be pleasing. But you'll just find that some people don't want to be around you. Some people may even reject you. But just remember what Jesus said. He said, they're, they're really rejecting me. The second thing I want to remind us of as we bring this to a close this morning is this. Hold yourself accountable to but not responsible for the actions of others. Joshua knew that he was accountable to God for his own actions and he was responsible to those he led to live life in a way that encouraged them to do likewise. But he also knew that everyone is responsible for their own choices. You are responsible for how you live and who you follow. But the success of your life and leadership isn't defined by the choices of others, which you can't control. But it is defined by your faithfulness to God in being the person He wants you to be and pointing others to Him. And I'm sure most of us can think of ways that in the past that we've failed, in, and uh, even in influencing our families, perhaps, and others in ways that, that weren't very helpful. And I can, I'm sure you can. But we find forgiveness in Christ and we move on and we make it our goal to know Christ and to show Christ. We're not responsible for the choices others make. They are. And so we live authentically transformed lives in Christ and we pray for them and we pray for the Holy Spirit to speak to them and to draw them. As a parent, I've made plenty of mistakes. (laughs) But by the grace of God, I've got four great kids who are all now adults, but I still get concerned for them. I still try to guide them. I still try to uh, help them any way I can and as much as they'll allow me to. And I even challenge them sometimes, however it's appropriate. But they're responsible before God, just like I am, for the lives they lead. And I have to remember that. And if they make mistakes as I have, then I, sh- I, I can't take on the blame for that. And it's the same for you. I, I suspect some of you may even have deep regrets. Some of you may have deep guilt struggles over what you could have done, or you might have done, or you should have done, but let it go. Rece- receive the forgiveness and the grace of Christ and live that authentically transformed life. And you, you can't change what, what, what you've done in the past but you can show them a changed life. Hold yourself accountable to, but not responsible for the actions of others. Do what you can to share Christ and show Christ and influence them any way you can. Pray for them, love them, and if the Spirit of God leads you to, if you need to go and ask forgiveness for something or apologize for something, then do that, But, but... Ask God to help you with that and and uh, live that authentic life, but don't take on that which you shouldn't. And so I'm going to call Chris up to the to lead us in a moment. But you know, as he's coming, I want to I want to bring this to a close by just asking us a few questions. And I want to ask you again: How are you doing with the journey that you're on? What will you do today and going forward every day? Are you caught up in that frustrating cycle of the Israelites? Well, I've got good news and I've got bad news. (laughs) The good news is that that cycle doesn't have to define your life because there's a better way, one that gives you everything you need to face the challenges of this life and the journey that you're on as a person who is destined for heaven. You can live in this difficult world and the times that we're in and the uncertain and possibly even more uncertain difficult times that may be ahead and you can not only experience you can experience the love and the power and the promises of God in your life and can leave this life eventually whenever that is you can leave a legacy of impact on the lives of others that will be a reflection of Jesus and a taste of heaven. The bad news is that will only happen if you will daily commit, submit, and live it in Christ, for Christ, and by the power of Christ. And may I also say that nothing will change if you don't change. So I'm inviting you to bow in prayer with me and I have been praying that, you know, I've had to examine my own heart, my own life as I've prepared this message. And I've want, I've asked God to speak to me and I, I've asked Him to speak to you. I think there's something in this message for each one of us. And I don't know where God is prodding you this morning or as you're listening to this later online. But is it perhaps even wondering if you even know jesus have you have you really come into a personal relationship with jesus and have you invited him into your life have you asked his forgiveness have you have you asked him to live in you by his holy spirit and if you haven't done that or you're not sure about that this is your moment this is your time just pray that prayer to god in your own words have you grown apathetic or lazy? Or have you lost your sense of passion or sense of mission? Has fear of the future overcome your faith in a big God? Do you feel like you're taking one step forward and three steps backward and you know why that is and there's something in your life that needs to change? Do you find yourself thinking more about the problems of this world than the promises of God? Do you rely more on yourself than on the Holy Spirit to help you deal with the skunks in the road? Do you feel like you've lost your way and you want to get back on track? There are so many ways you could speak to us today, and I don't know how you're prodding each of us, but may we have the courage to respond to you. And whatever it is that you're saying, help us be willing to follow. Live in us. Live through us. We commit ourselves to you and your way, individually and corporately. We submit to your will and authority in our lives and the journey that you're leading us on. And with your help, we will live before you and others in a way that challenges others to want to experience the promises and the life of God in the present as well as the promised land of the future. Lord, no matter What others may do or decide or believe, I choose you. I will follow you with your help. And also with your help, I'll keep living in a way that points others to you and the life that you have for them now and forever in which you gave so much to offer them. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you are the God of fresh starts and new beginnings.